Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Player Profiler and our podcast network is super resource intensive, and we rely on premium subscriptions to the website playerprofiler.com to keep the engine running. Go there, sign up for our player rankings, Dynasty Deluxe, DFS package, or go all in. Those that subscribe are everything to us. Welcome to the Deep End Podcast. Special uh, guest hosting here. Myself, Mike Leone from Established the Run. I've got Tyler Dunn from the Go Long Podcast. And we are live here at the initial Scott Fishbowl live drafts of the season. And we're going to be, Tyler and I are going to be going over and analyzing the first two drafts of the year that are going on starting in just a couple of minutes. All right, Tyler, I feel like the Deep End podcast is an appropriate name because we kind of got thrown off the Deep End into uh, the hosting (laughs) duties here. But uh, it should be a good time. Excited for these drafts. Well, like a pro, I just sort of, you know, sat at my table here and stared at my screen and let you handle all the hard work. So all the production work you have handled, I have done nothing to prepare for this other than to roast these draft picks and uh, drink some IPAs. But yeah, it should be fun. Uh, for those not familiar, the Scott Fishbowl annual tradition. I believe this is Scott Fishbowl 13. So we're, we're up to 13. Great thing that Scott Fish runs to raise money for charity. And we'll bring up some of the settings and some of the charity stuff that you can donate. And I'll bring up, we have a couple of draft boards. It looks like we have the first pick already. Kyle716 takes Josh Allen. We'll flip between two drafts Ooh. that are going on. Um, so yeah, Buffalo room, no surprise. We get Josh Allen first overall one draft, but the other one's Travis Kelsey, which this is a super flex league with some, some weird scoring. You get some point, you know, fractional points per completion. You get fractional points per carry. You're also getting two points per reception for a tight end and an additional point for, for first down. So there's some weird scoring here, but it's definitely, um, a surprise for Kelsey to go over the quarterbacks given. The super flex format, Tyler, who approaches this more from like the real life football angle, not like us nerds here grinding the fantasy beat. But how do you feel about Kelsey? Any any concerns over Kelsey's age? I know mean, he was so dominant last year still. Hey, you know, I love a tight end going first overall. So the blood and guts, how tight ends. What a shameless plug. Right? You write a book on tight ends and you just take advantage 
when somebody takes a tight end first overall. But this this is a fantastic pick. That's who Patrick Mahomes is looking for. Game in, game out, play in, play out. I don't really think he's going to slow down anytime soon. So, you know, it, it's supply and demand, simply, right? So, I mean, right right now, with where the tight end position is at, and, and of so many players we thought were going to have great seasons last year, statistically and not, get Kelsey as soon as he can. Yeah, and uh, one of the things I, I debated Evan Silva uh who works with me over at established to run in a recent podcast on Kelsey and he's a little worried about the age, but man, there's, you know, really no target competition for Kelsey. It's a team that throws at one of the highest pass rates over expectation year in and year out. That's just the way they operate. So, you know, pretty safe for Kelsey. Still surprised to see him go over the quarterbacks as we see Josh Allen go second overall. No surprise. Let's jump over to the other room and Kelsey went two there. So he goes two, sneaks in there and we get, then we get the quarterback going. Hurts, Mahomes, Lamar. A little surprised to see Hurts go over Mahomes given the um, partial points per completion, which I think favors Mahomes just from, from a pure volume standpoint. I do worry about Hurts. I like Hurts. I think that it's unbelievable what he did last season. You know, I had a conversation with uh, Kurt Warner midway through last season and th- this is you know a hall of fame quarterback who really believes in the traditional quarterback. I just pick you apart death by a million paper cuts really into the athleticism and the pizzazz that we all love about the position and so i, I was really surprised when he said jalen hurts was the most impressive quarterback that he's seen all season. And he wow. didn't really think it was necessarily close. He was seeing the field in ways that shocked him. So maybe he does have a counter to whatever teams counter him with this year, but full off season off of Jalen Hurts' season is going to be interesting to see where that goes. Yeah, that's uh, that's super high praise for, for Hurts. And we see Lamar going off as the uh, consensus QB4 so far. Also somewhat surprised to see Lamar going before Burrow in the scoring. I know with uh, Monk in there that we're expecting the pass rate for Baltimore to be, you know, it's going to be a different offense than we've seen before. So any thoughts on the Baltimore offense this year, Tyler? I mean, I, everybody here in Western is kind of mixed on Greg Roman. What he did with the run game, unbelievably impressive. I remember talking to Richie Incognito, Eric Wood. They're like, this dude is a genius with what he can do with different blocking schemes up front. It's just so fascinating to me that somebody who was that smart when it comes to the run game can never innovate when it comes to the pass game. And Willie Sneed, so many of these receivers that you chat with over the years, they all say there's a reason veteran receivers don't want to sign with the Ravens. It's elementary. Remember Steve Smith's rant after the Bills beat Baltimore in the playoffs? He went on NFL Network. You know, NFL Network where it seems like nobody really wants to have that strong of an opinion that could piss somebody off. He didn't hold back. <laughs> I mean, he blasted Greg Roman. So I get it. Lamar's not perfect. He's got to improve his accuracy. He's got work to do. But I really do think other problems in the past game were Roman-centric. That his failure to just layer throws and build in progressions and just different concepts. So Todd, Todd Munkin will do that. Now, Todd Munkin's challenge is, how do you do that while still allowing Lamar to be Lamar? Because what Greg Roman did up front was masterful. And, you know, there was a, I think it was like a Sunday night game, Lamar against the Chiefs two years ago. 
unbelievable. I mean, he had the Chiefs D lineman's heads on a top. They didn't know where Lamar was playing and play out. So you don't want to sacrifice what he does so well that nobody else in the history of the game has ever done. I, I, I love the change. I love them getting Odell, Zay Flowers, the whole changes on offense. But it, what is that balance? I, I don't know where it goes, where it goes, honestly. Yeah, that's what, it's one more of the interesting things that we'll see this season because we're going to find out a lot about Lamar. You know, they're going to put a ton on his plate. As you mentioned with the additions, like he's played with a pretty putrid pass catching corpse, you know, the first handful of seasons, even his MVP season, you know, he didn't have much behind Mark Andrews. As you mentioned, they sign Odell, they draft Zay Flowers. Hopefully they get a healthy Rashad Bateman this year. And all of a sudden they're, you know, decently deep. Um, as we see Ryan Mura takes Justin Fields, seventh overall. So continuing the trend with quarterbacks. Let's check the other draft. We get a similar start through seven picks, but then we finally get the first running back off the board at 1-8. And it's CMC, no surprise there, given his you know ability to contribute in all facets of the game offensively. It's important to note that running backs are getting 0.2 points per carry. All players of all positions get some fractional points for getting a first down, but scoring definitely favors running backs relative to your usual PPR scoring. I know I was talking to Sean of uh, the Go Bills team that won back-to-back FFPC million-dollar main events, and he was telling me he looked at the scoring and what Josh Jacobs did last year in this Scott Fishbowl scoring was equivalent to what Cooper Cup did a couple years ago. So. That's always one of the quirks with Scott Fishbowl is people like, are they going to figure out the scoring? Are they going to make the necessary tweaks? And um, you know, we'll kind of see more in the second round where the running backs go relative to the wide receivers. It, it just stuns me to look at a draft board and see running backs going so late. And I'm sure there's much more strategy at play than I could ever wrap my head around because Thank God I'm not drafting a team here. I'd be going running back, running back, running back. I think I've done that since about third grade when we had the old TFL draft down in Salamanca, New York. My 94-year-old grandfather still, still involved with fantasy football. So, yeah, I, you've got to evolve. you got to innovate. I like the changes. I think it's awesome what this uh, league has done with its scoring system. And Justin Fields going this high. Hey, I, I, I think when you add up all the numbers, it makes sense. When you, when you look at this league, I just... I don't know where he's going to go. There was like a three-week period there where Justin Fields was must-see TV. If the Baronet was like, holy hell, I need to see what this guy's going to do next. Uh, maybe DJ Moore, maybe working with Luke Getze another season. Uh, maybe it's just a better offensive line, better team overall helps him. But I, I don't really have an opinion on Justin Fields. I wish I wish I did. I feel like I've gone to both extremes over this first two seasons. and I, We'll see. Yeah, I feel, you know, I'm torn on fields as well. Like it's super exciting from a fantasy perspective when you see a thousand yard rusher, but there's got to just be some regression in that rushing efficiency. It just, you're not going to be carrying like eight yards of carry. Um, so will he be able to, you know, sustain things via the passing game? As you mentioned, they brought over DJ Moore. I've heard tons of comparisons to like what the Eagles did when they brought over AJ Brown. Personally, I think that's like, a different scenario where the Eagles were a bit more of a forward thinking organization. And I think the talent at pass catcher was still way more than what Chicago has, but um, yeah, we'll see with field. I wouldn't have taken him ahead of Burrow. I don't think in a format that rewards fractional points to completion, perhaps I'm overrating that though, but Burrow just with the pass volume is going to rack up so many more completions than Justin Fields. I know at like 
ETR, like one of our prop bets, season long prop bets we took this year was Justin Fields under 20.5 passing touchdowns. The dude just doesn't, you know, throw a bunch, a lot of scrambles, designed runs. He takes a ton of sacks. Um, I'm actually like really bullish this year with Kellen Moore. You know, talk about coordinator changes. Kellen Moore coming over to the Chargers. We're a super up tempo team. Um, so yeah, how do you feel about the Chargers offense? It can't. I mean, they had to innovate. They had to do something different. And I, I have a hard time thinking that Kellen Moore was the problem, Dallas. It just, I mean, Mike McCarthy, he won a Super Bowl, and you can't take that away from him. What he did 2010, 2011, 2012, even the 2014 season, like he, he deserves some credit, even as good as Aaron Rodgers was. But I never thought he innovated offensively. It was so stagnant. He'd call plays, and then he'd give up the play-calling duties, and then Aaron Rodgers was just going to do whatever the hell he wanted at the line of scrimmage, which was what he, Aaron Rodgers needed to do. He, he never respected Mike McCarthy. He never really did. He, he thought he was a buffoon pretty early on and just did his own thing from what multiple people told me. So, all right, I, I, if you look at it through that scope of Mike McCarthy isn't exactly this maven, this uh, savant of offensive football, I feel like Kellen Moore was responsible for a lot of the good in Dallas statistically and was made out to be a scapegoat. Mike McCarthy let go a lot of people that were in his inner circle, like coaches that he was with for several seasons in Green Bay. Imagine Jerry Jones is putting pressure on him and believes, all right, I've got to do something. Jerry Jones is always doing something brash. He's not going to fire Mike McCarthy quite yet. But he, I would imagine, gently nudged the head coach to get rid of some of these coaches. That's my long-winded answer to say Kellen Moore wasn't the problem in Dallas. I think Kellen Moore is going to do a lot of good with the Chargers. And Justin Herbert has everything you'd ever want in a quarterback. He's tall. He's strong. He's athletic. He's got a gun. He's got weapons. Love it. Yeah. Um and I, I moved, hopefully, somebody said there was a little bit of static issues, so I moved, so hopefully not too much. But I completely agree. I mean, Mike McCarthy is a buffoon. Kellen Moore was not wrong. So um, <laughs> if, if the Chargers can have that pass volume they had last year, but eke out a little bit more downfield efficiency from Herbert, like I'm bullish on the entire offense, but Herbert especially for this format. I think we are seeing some people adjust to the – scoring because Nick Chubb goes earlier than he normally would in a full PPR but with some points per carry you know he can kind of make up for not having as big of a pass catching role let's see what's going on with the other board one of these drafts is uh going a little bit let me let me refresh this board just make sure it's up to date um yeah we see this one I'll text Adam to make sure this board's up to date, but CMC is the first back that goes off here at pick 11. These guys are going slower than the one league. Um, I'm trying to see. Lawrence falls to pick three in the second round in the other draft, so a big gap on Lawrence between the two sites or, or the two different drafts, and he's I think he's going to throw a lot too you know talk about Herbert with pass volume they were see Lawrence throw a lot he gets Calvin Ridley so there's a lot of exciting offenses here um to look at thoughts on Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars offense and Ridley I wonder what you think about Ridley Tyler because a lot of people are really bullish on Ridley 
I'm a little bit like unsure. He just hasn't played football in so long. I was just consulting with a drafter. I'm very sorry. I just completely <laughs> missed what you just said. Uh, we're going to have uh, some guests thoughts, pop onto the podcast here. Yeah, thoughts on – someone said the static is gone, so that's good. So I've gone away in this corner, which is why you can't see me anymore, Tyler. Um, but, yeah, I was just curious your thoughts on Trevor Lawrence, this Jaguars offense, and Ridley in particular. Ridley hasn't been taken yet, but we've seen Lawrence went pick 10 in the one room. He fell to pick three in the other room of the second round. And yeah, Ridley just hasn't played in so long, but like if he's still good, the upside's huge. Like that's that's a real big risk reward one for me this season. Right. I'm I'm kind of approaching this from a long form writing perspective. Uh not not necessarily in the weeds fantasy football. I mean, I play I played fantasy football forever, like I said, but I'll just say this. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be, if not already is, a star i on the same level as maybe not mahomes but right there with allen right there with burrow any other quarterback lamar uh, the weapons he has are incredible i mean calvin ridley zay jones christian kirk evan ingram travis Etienne. i think that it says a lot you know press taylor we, we, we sat down and we were talking about the offense last month and he made a great point like so many of these quarterbacks brett Favre, sterling sharp Matthew Stafford with Calvin Johnson, like a young quarterback that has a stud receiver, you have that inclination to force the ball to that stud, which is great. Of course, you're going to get the ball to Calvin Johnson. But I think the fact that Trevor Lawrence has like solid receivers across the board has forced him to maybe go through his progressions and really read the field in a way at 22, 23, 24 years old. Favre didn't. Matthew Stafford didn't. And all right, let's sub in somebody who's actually picking players. Mike Shope, the Mike Shope. Probably one of the smartest human beings I know, you know, football or otherwise. Here he is. All right, we're going to hand it over to Shope, who is local Buffalo sports radio host here. And he started Justin Herbert, Tyreek Hill. Uh, Tyler and I talked about how we're really bullish on Justin Herbert overall. And, you know, Tyreek Hill was on pace for Cooper Cup type season, you know, before we had some of the quarterback injuries and stuff. With Miami, how do you feel about your start, Mike? Hey, Mike, am I on? By the way, you, you got me all right. We got you. We can hear you. Good. Uh, I'm so excited about tonight. I like the Herbert pick. I didn't feel like I had to do it because I would have been fine with Jefferson there. But um, yeah, I feel like Justin Herbert's in position for a great season, like maybe even an MVP season at the price. I don't know how you feel about that. And I would have preferred Cup to Tyreek, but uh, one or the other. Yeah, no, I was saying Tyler and I were gushing over Herbert before you came on, just with Kellen Moore over there, just the, the tempo, the volume in that offense. They draft one and Johnson, tons of skilled players. Um, I got to get your thoughts, though, on our friend Louis G's approach with this tight end premium scoring here, where you get an extra point per first down, extra point per reception. He goes Mark Andrews and then TJ Hawkinson to start tight end, tight end. Um, thoughts on that start? Well, that's Louie, you know, he's got to get a reaction. So he d it didn't surprise me that he would do something like that. And I mean that, you know, with love, but um, I think it could work. The, the challenge with starts like that in every format is catching up at other positions, catching up at wide receiver. This is super flex too. And he does have the third round reversal in his favor. So maybe, I don't know, like he's got a quarterback that he could live with 
at uh, 301 if he wants to do that. Yeah, I mean, it is tough there at the turn when the quarterbacks after Lawrence, like a lot of people feel differently about Watson, like exactly where he should be tiered. You know, I've seen him tiered in with like Trevor Lawrence. I've seen him tiered lower with more like Tua. I'm sure Louie would be pumped to have someone like Tua fall at this point. It is three-round reversal, so he should get a crack at one of those decent mid-tier quarterbacks, whether it's Dak. I'm big on Danny Dimes yet again this year. Tua, I think, would be great for him. Um, But, yeah, Hawkinson is interesting. His volume has been so big since he went over to Minnesota that I think he's underrated sometimes in these volume rewarding leagues just because the target level should be there even if he doesn't have the efficiency of a george kittle or doesn't have the a dot of a kyle pitts but anything else um what about like kelsey over allen number one like i was kind of surprised even with the tight end premium scoring that those teams early wouldn't lock up one of those stud qbs you know me too i guess the certainly format does pump up tight ends also and you know it's travis kelsey so i feel like maybe this isn't perfect but at the at the scott fishbowl you know um you you might want to try things you know you might want to not experiment necessarily but be willing to do different things and you know on the ends you got to account for what's coming later and also be playing against what's happening around you do you think 301 kirk is egregious by the way if he doesn't get the other quarterbacks you mentioned louis no i don't think you know to have this stack there especially like this format too we went over the format loosely, but it's a contest with a lot of competitors and, you know, it's a go big or go home type of contest. Right. And the correlation right. makes sense there. I think the Vikings offense, that's one of the things I looked at this off season was really encouraged by their play calling tendencies last year. They're really concentrated offense. Cousins doesn't take a lot of sacks. He doesn't scramble a lot. Like there's going to be pass volume. Their record is going to regress this year, you know, based on their point differential. So I think he's in this next tier of quarterback. There's others I like more, but to get the correlation with Hawkinson, I think I think it'd be a, a reasonable pick. Might be worth it. Well, let me just tell everybody watching and listening, it's been an honor to host the first fishbowl drafts and to have Mike and Tyler Dunn here as a part of it. Western New York is loaded with so many avid players and even a couple of good ones. I mean, the guys who won the main event the last two years are here. You might have gone through this already. Zach Kruger, who's been with NBC, is well-known. He, he drove, drove up from the Washington area to be a part of it, and then you guys, too. It's kind of funny that Tyler thought he was drafting up until like five minutes before we started, but he seems relieved that he isn't, so I'll bring him back on. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, this is a fun opportunity to be a part of this, and always a big shout-out to Scott Fish for setting this stuff up. If people have any questions on the format in the, the comments, I'll try to do my best to answer, but yeah, basically a certain portion of the teams are going to advance out of their leagues after the first 12 to 13 weeks. And then it's sort of like a cut down each week after that based on your scoring. So it's it's a fun format, but a lot of teams pretty pretty top heavy. So as I mentioned, like the correlation, the stacking does matter a lot in a contest like this. You want to limit the things you have to get right. And like if, if to Mike's point, if Louie does end up picking Kirk Cousins here at the start of round three, you want that correlation with TJ Hawkinson, that correlated upside. If Hawkinson has a huge year, Cousins probably has a huge year. They're definitely positively correlated on those, those tail outcomes as well. Looking through the room, I'm trying to get a sense of, because some if people have been drafting underdog best ball drafts, they know it's been crazy wide receiver heavy early on. 
And these rooms seem to have adjusted a bit better for this change in scoring. Um, Ty, we hit on a little bit with it's 0.25 points per carry. Josh Jacobs in round three, though, like that looks like a decent value if he's able to replicate last year's volume. Um, he goes to the end of round two and the other. So it is interesting to see some of these discrepancies between the leagues. That's like a six-spot difference for Jacobs. Do you think that Las Vegas is just going to ride him again this year, Tyler? I don't know if they have a choice. I mean, they've got to feed the ball to Devonta Adams, to Josh Jacobs as much as they possibly can. <clears throat> Josh McDaniels doesn't really like putting a running back out there if he is a rookie, if he doesn't know what he's doing, and he's going to feed him. I think it's really interesting. I'm looking at one team, unless I'm reading it wrong, Bijan Robinson, Austin Eckler, Derrick Henry, all on the same team. So I love seeing that as a running back uh, traditionalist myself. That's beautiful. John Robinson, I mean, you know, the Falcons with Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot doing is so fascinating to me, Mike. Like they're building a team that the rest of the NFL really isn't equipped to stop. I feel like so many of these NFL defenses go nickel, dime, 220 pound linebackers. Rightfully so. You need to chase around these improvisational uh, freelancing quarterbacks and all these. Five nine receivers who can you know peace sign their way to the end zone, but the Falcons ready to bludgeon you north and south. <laughs> but by the way, we, we say north and south. We should just say north because the team's not just hand the ball to the running back and run in the other direction. So they're going to get north with uh, <laughs> they, they made uh, Chris Lindstrom the, the highest paid guard ever, I believe. You draft a running back in the top ten. You've got big receivers, Drake London, Kyle Pitts at receiver. They. They're, they're, and they're going to be multiple. That's the buzzword. But they, they can do different formations and different looks. I kind of love what Atlanta's doing. And I think Bijan Robinson is going to be a fantasy. Darling doesn't do him justice. I mean, he's going to blow up the series of rookie. Yeah, I think sometimes, too, with the rookies, people think of them as high risk, high reward. But really, what we've seen the past decade or so backs of Bijan Robinson's profile who are drafted that early in the NFL draft actually have an extremely high floor. You know, even going back to like Trent Richardson, who was a bit of a bust from a fantasy perspective, he was fine year one. And this is a backfield where, you know, Tyler Algier comes out, gives you a thousand yards, knocks off five plus yards per carry. Like Bijan's going to eat. And I do think, you know, to what you're saying, like there's this yin and yang effect where as the NFL becomes, you know, more knowledgeable about the efficiency and the importance of passing, these defenses play differently. If you don't have one of those upper echelon quarterbacks, you have to figure out another way to be efficient offensively. And Arthur Smith has done that in an old school way with the ground game. And then you've got Drake London, Kyle Pitts to hopefully take up like 50 to 55% of the team's targets. So basically, uh, Every, every touch is hopefully going to a pretty high-end, highly drafted skill player for Atlanta. The only thing that I don't like about the three running backs start, and someone pointed this out, but in a super flex format where you're going to want to be starting two quarterbacks, it's going to be a long wait. This was three-round reversal, so that Derrick Henry pick was the first pick of round three. Uh, Mary Rose is not going to pick again until the 4-5 turn. We'll see what she does at quarterback. Speaking of which, I kind of want to check in on the other draft, see what Louie did at quarterback. And he took a swing on Anthony Richardson with Ooh, his, his – I like it. Bit. He's got the Andrews-Hawkinson start. 
Uh, it's it's a little rich for me, but like I said, this is the type of format where you're swinging for upside and you're hoping Richardson has kind of like a Justin Fields rushing-esque season. He's also got Shane Steichen coming over from the Eagles who had a lot of success with Hurts. How do you think Richardson sets up for this rookie year? Man, I mean, it's crazy to look at a fantasy draft and see a quarterback drafted. What is that? overall yeah first pick of the third round first for richardson the third so 25th overall and he might not even start this season i mean gardner Minshew could start the first month of the season i mean i don't think that's going to happen i mean gardner Minshew is what he is he's a glorified uncle rico that we all love right he's he's lovable but you know they lose a couple games they're getting anthony richardson in there and i, I think richardson's going to be I hesitate because I, I get really excited about Anthony Richardson, and then I remember, okay, he did it for one season, and it really left a lot to be desired. Like, his rushing numbers at Florida were pretty good, but when you watch those games, it's like he could have done even more, and his accuracy was not great. And we know you can improve accuracy now with what Josh Allen did, with what Jalen Hurts did. But those guys had insane work ethics. Like, does Anthony Richardson have that wiring? I don't know. The Colts think he does if they drafted him where they did. So it's a great pick for the Colts long-term. Is it a great pick in fantasy this year that high? Holy hell, I don't know. That's such a risk. I mean, I appreciate the outside-the-box thinking there to go two tight ends, Andrews, Hawkinson, and Richardson. If it hits, uh, you're going a route that maybe nobody else in this draft is even thinking about going. I just don't know if we should really expect too much from Anthony Richardson this season, let alone, you know, one month of this season. Yeah. And we talk about like the upside being important here. I still think like you could have taken Richardson a little bit later, but it is interesting to see these rooms, the way they operate. And sometimes in super flex drafts, I think people take the second tier quarterbacks too early, but this league in particular, even though it's super flex quarterbacks, very important. You also start like, eight to nine other skill players. So it's the positional scarcity affects running back wide receiver more than it normally does. And those positions are propped up by some of the scoring. So it seems like the rooms have correctly adjusted to not reach. I know Mike Shope, who was just in here, started Herbert Tyreek Hill. He's probably stoked to have two a fault to him in the middle of the third round, stack him up with Tyreek Hill, gets the correlation. And I think Tua has, I mean, he led the NFL yards per attempt last season. He's got all the upside in the world if he can stay healthy. We also saw the team before him stack up Justin Jefferson with Kirk Cousins. Again, giving, getting that positive correlation. Let's see if we – I don't know if we have any stacks in the other room. Yeah, it doesn't look like anybody's been able to complete a stack in the other room yet. But jumping back to the room that Shope is in, Kyle Pitts goes to Ryan Mura, who I am in a dynasty league in, and he managed to – trade Kyle Pitts off of my team onto his team. I'm a huge Kyle Pitts fan. I think, again, going back to the Atlanta offense, Tyler, I think they're in for like a big rebound in the passing game. I don't expect them to pass a lot. We know they're going to be a run game heavy, but Marcus Mariota just wasn't doing them any favors, taking sacks, doing a lot of scrambles, and a lot of uncatchable balls for Kyle Pitts. So I'm really bullish on Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts bouncing back this year. I can't remember what game it was. It was about a month into the season. Kyle Pitts is wide open, 40, 50 yards downfield. Do you know the play I'm talking about? I mean, in Mar- Mar- yeah. it's going to hit him. Just going to hit him. So, a couple, couple, you could pick a couple games. But yeah, I know there's one player in particular. 
So I think like a lot of that was on the quarterback. Some of it was on Arthur Smith and the play calling. There's got to be a concerted effort to get him the ball because he is special. I mean, we, we saw it as a rookie, a thousand yards. We saw it Florida. He's a matchup nightmare. I think he really has worked on improving as a blocker too. And I've talked to uh, his position coach there in Atlanta, Justin Peel, I believe. He's, he was a tight end himself. He went out of his way to say, look, th- th- this guy wants to block. That's not the case for everybody who is a great pass catcher at tight end. It, re- it really is. I mean, and, and working on that book. Th- th- there's a lot of guys who they, they look at that as like it's a, it's a nuisance. I don't want to do that seven-on-seven seven inside blocking drill in training camp. The hell with that. Uh, he, he has genuinely embraced it. So I know that really doesn't matter much to fantasy football owners but it, it should because then you've got a george kittle saying look if you've got the threat of yourself as a blocker if when you go up to the line of scrimmage and they believe you actually can block then you just run a little play action you leak out it's it's a 70 yard touchdown just like that i mean you 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 need that as a tight end i think if kyle pitts has developed that the first two plus years of his career He's in line for a big for a big season. I think Desmond Ritter's can be better than most of us think. Um, I, I kind of like the unique approach at quarterback for Atlanta for Washington. Look, if you don't if you don't want to go swing for the fences for Lamar Jackson, if you don't want to trade for Aaron Rodgers, um, you might you might as well just try to maximize what you have and see and see where it goes and build around him. Like you said earlier, Mike. Like Atlanta has just loaded up at the skill positions, and hey. You know, if Desmond Ritter is okay, they can make the playoffs. Yeah, especially in that division. And um, apologies if there's some static issues. Doing our best here live at the Scott Fish Bowl at Fatty Beer here in North Tonawanda in Buffalo, New York. I'll show you all the uh, the draft room here. I feel like we have old school NFL draft footage with uh, <laughs> this this view here, but. Um, these are the two drafts going on at once. Those are the two drafts that we keep flashing for you. And, you know, a little surprise, Kyle 716. Oh, no, Dak did go. I thought I was going to say, I'm surprised he didn't take Dak there. But Dak goes, he gets George Kittle, who, yeah, it's interesting. The tight end premium scoring obviously helps Kittle a lot. But, like, relative to someone like Hawkinson, it doesn't count as much because Kittle's game is on efficiency, whereas Hawkinson's going to get on bulk volume. So, getting those two points per reception is huge for Hawkinson. Um, can rack up points in a hurry. I think he'll out-reception Kittle by quite a bit. The question is, you know, Kittle's yards per catch, his touchdown rate is going to be a decent bit higher. We do see a stack completed by Peter Wiggin, who gets Devonta Smith in round four to get with Jalen Hurts, his first wide receiver after taking JT and Brees Hall. Brees is another good talking point. Let's see, he went 310 in this room. Let's see where he went in the other room. I don't believe he's gone off the room yet. And the other room's a little bit behind. We haven't gotten into 310. But these return from injury guys are tough. Brees Hall looked like he was going to be the superstar. We thought he was going to be last year. Really unfortunate injury. I know in regular leagues, I've been taking him a lot in the third round, just hoping that even if he starts slow or misses some games to begin the season, he just crushes by the by the end of the year. But um yeah, any thoughts on, on Brees Hall and like just the difficulty in evaluating these guys coming back from these, you know, significant knee injuries, but they're at the same I say significant, but it seems like it's somewhat routine to return from them in a year or so at this point. I, I feel like 
Maybe rightfully so, but but maybe it's gone to the extreme. We kind of hear Dr. James Andrews, and we just assume he's Jesus Christ, and he'll just fix anybody's knee, and it will be not not only repaired, it will be a better knee than that running back has ever had in the history of his life. I mean, Adrian Peterson kind of broke our brains a bit with what he did off of his torn ACL. I'm not so sure every NFL running back can do what Adrian Peterson did off of his torn ACL. So I'm going to be a little hesitant anytime any player is bouncing back from an injury like this. But what we saw out of Brees Hall was special. Aaron Rodgers, theoretically, is better than Zach Wilson, who's known more for, you know, possibly sleeping with his mother's best friend. He should have opportunities in that offense. So, yeah, I like it. Uh, shout out Zach Wilson. He's on the team for sure. Um, I'm on Ross St. Brown goes to hopes at 3.9. Uh, I'm a huge Amon Ross fan. He's, he's definitely the mini Cooper cup. I feel like he still doesn't quite get enough credit in fantasy, but he's going to rack up so many targets and he's pretty explosive. They get the ball in his hands in a lot of different ways. Excited for this Detroit offense again. Um, we're going to get another guest here, the other usual co-host of the Demon Podcast, Adam Crotworth. Give him a second before he sets up. But let's go over to Adam's. I think this is Adam's draft, but we'll, we'll check the other draft. See where Amon Ra went in the other draft. He went 2-8 in the other draft. Falls to 3-9 in this one. So that's a massive discrepancy between the two drafts. Adam, uh, where's, your, where's your team? What's your... Michael, uh, I'm not in this one. I'm the other one. The other guy. Oh, you're in the other one. That's why. That's why. Pick I don't two. See you. <laughs> okay. Pick two. Okay. So you, there you, it I'm is. glad we Dra- got you on draft this. guy eleven. You got to talk to us about passing on Mahomes for Travis Kelsey. I was. I found that interesting. Yeah, you know, with the scoring, the different scoring up updates and stuff like that with the site. Um, I do love Kelsey this year. Tight end, tight end premium. And I thought there was a chance I could get two. Um, quarterbacks that I was fine with, and I ended up I ended up doing that. Also, I was super disappointed. You know, I drive all the way out to Buffalo, New York. You know, for my number one quarterback, I'm the biggest Josh Allen fan on the planet Earth. I picked two, and I can't get Josh Allen. Like, come on! Like, so it was kind of that was just disappointing. Like, you know what? If I can't have Josh, I don't want anybody. All right, I'm just gonna go with a tight end and Travis Kelsey. You still want Chiefs though? If you're gonna go full Homer, you can't I know, go Chiefs. I know. I, I hate that you called me out on that too, but it was, it was, uh, it was Kelsey was the guy to, to try to end premium. And if it wasn't Kelsey, it was going to be Hurts because I would never draft Mahomes if there's other options available. Uh, do, tell me, do we have the real Jim Kelly in the house here? Jim 12 Kelly taking Patrick Mahomes? I, I haven't seen him. If he is, <laughs> I, I, that's super exciting. I looked, I've, I've been out there. You can see the live. How about that live draft room right there? I mean, come on. We got pizza. We got chicken sandwiches. Shout out to Fatty Beer uh, for providing all that. Oh yeah, look at that. Look at that deep dive. Sean Stutzman, FFPC back-to-back main event winner, has a cheat sheet from like 1952 with color coordinated and you know highlighters. It's it's just beautiful to see. I love it so much. Old school, winning the million dollars. We have had a couple weird starts. Mary Rose in your league goes running back times three to start, which. I kind of get the values in all of these individually, especially with the partial points per carry, which does change the scoring quite. Like someone like Derrick Henry becomes a lot more valuable than I think in a regular league where you can take advantage of that volume. But man, running back times three, though, 
it's going to be tough. I'm wondering how she's going to make the quarterback room work out. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Now, she might luck out too because, I mean, depending on what these next couple picks here do, she could still get, like if she goes, you know, QB, she double taps QB here, she could be in decent shape. I mean, I, I can't really read how many quarterbacks right now are off the board uh, that quickly, but um, she might end up with some decent quarterbacks, which would be okay. And again, with the, with the points per carry that you get in this, I could see valuing court, uh, running back a little bit more. I just, you know, with the, with the injuries that happened to that position. But still, between Bijan and Henry, she's going to get a ton of carries. Yeah, I would have loved I mean, I'm really big on the Chargers offense overall. So one of Bijan or Eckler, though, I think if she had turned that into Lawrence. But the thing is, you don't know you're going to get Henry at 3-1 until it happens. Right, so it been exactly. An adjustment on the fly. So we'll see. Uh, Megatron is up, also does not have a quarterback. I'm trying to see who exactly is left. I know you, I think Goff is still out there as a pretty strong. He's oh, he should take off and stack it for that month. St. Brown, he or she, I'm not sure. There's also Cousins, Cousins, Russell Wilson, you know, um, Jordan Love, Derek Carr. So, like, if if she's a, if she and he are able to get you know, uh, double tap that quarterback spot and get like a Cousins Goff or a Cousins Wilson. That could be a pretty sweet, uh, pretty sweet start. Wow, uh, Megatron passes up the stack. Gets cut. That's where, yeah, we're we're jinxing her. It's it's a tough sweat. If she got two out of Cousins, Goff, Russ, it starts looking good. Then you start getting into Jordan Love territory. It's a little scary. I think you've also got Stafford there though. So you've got you've got guys that you can make it work with, but it starts to. Uh, it starts to become more difficult, a little bit more risky, but I wonder if she'll go quantity at quarterback if that happens and we see her taking some of the rookies or maybe there's someone like Kyler or Brock Purdy to try and you know get that lost upside and not take a quarterback in the first three rounds. There's also, two people forget this, there's also um, free agency in this too. So you can, you know, you don't have, this isn't your final roster, right? So you can make some moves. You can, I know um, Mike Schoep, my co-host, he made, he made it pretty deep in this tournament two, two or three years ago when he had the worst quarterbacks in the world. He was picking up guys, you know, because his quarterbacks were hurt. He was picking up backups on backups. So there's situations where, hey, listen, I, you might only go into the season with two quarterbacks, but if you could pick up, use your fab budget, pick up some other quarterbacks that have uh, the backups that have been hurt, you could you can kind of piece that together. But mm-hmm. as we see here, Cousins, Goff, bang, bang. Now she's down to uh, only a couple options. And... I'm repeating myself a little bit, but the settings here too, it is super flex, but you're starting 11 players on your roster. So nine skill players, even if you're starting two quarterbacks. So the way that positional scarcity hits, if you're just getting acceptable quarterback scores and you're really beating everybody up on the skill players, I'm assuming that's maybe how Mike was able to make his run. Like it, it can happen. Um, here comes the right. QB rock right before her. But like the point <laughs> is you can you can kind of serve like if you you can't look at it like a normal super flex league because if it's a super flex league where you're starting two running backs, three wide receivers, a flex, and a tight end, like that's five, you know, five to six skill players. This is nine other skill players that you're starting, and they get juiced up scoring too with the first down stuff and some of the tight end premium. So um and I think that's kind of the point of what Scott's trying to do with the scoring is to right. make it so that different strategies can work. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, to, to, to favor running backs for carries, like we know in like regular fantasy, 
you know, uh, targets are worth three times as much as carries are. Well, in this, it's not, it's, it's not the case. So like you get a guy like a Derrick Henry, like the, how do you pass him up? Josh Jacobs goes up the board here. Um, and so kind of uh, running backs kind of flip-flop, you know, Bijan's another, another great one. Chubb, guys who don't necessarily catch the ball traditionally, like those guys can kind of carry you um, as long as they can stay, they, they can stay healthy. But I think um, that's what makes this unique and what makes it, what, what makes it fun. Yeah, we see some differences between the two, two rooms already. The one room, your your draft's going a little bit faster here. I and love it. I love catching it. Catching up a little bit, but um, Amon Ra was a guy that was like almost a full round difference between rooms. Um, we haven't seen Waller go off in, in the in your room. He went off pretty early in this other room. So there's been a couple guys where the, the differences have been been stark. I feel like did Pitts go in mine yet? I'm wondering because I just see him in that one. Yeah, so, Pitts hasn't even gone. Yeah, he already wow. went in the third round in this other one. Ryan Mira. Yeah. Who know? Who knows what he's doing? Ryan. Ryan knows what he's doing. Yeah, um, Ryan's. Ryan's as you say that fantasy Fabio takes Pitts at four eleven, but that's still a round right. and a half later. So it's kind of crazy, you know. Two two drafts going off at the same time, same league settings, but you just never know what you're gonna get. Um. Knock on wood, I think you should get a, a chance at one of these Seattle wide receivers to pair up with, with Geno here. The Seattle offense is interesting to me where I like a lot of pieces of that offense. There is part of me that's still like Pete Carroll and Geno Smith. I don't know. Can they run it back again? I'm a little skeptical. So I'm guessing you're kind of bullish given you took Geno ahead of Cousins, ahead of Goff, ahead of Rodgers, some other quarterbacks that have similar ADPs. Yeah, I just love it's a situation that like, you know, um Herbert's in, uh, you know, a couple other Lamar is in, uh, where these quarter these quarterbacks are just loaded with all these weapons around them, right? And so they added um Jackson Smith and Jigba, you know, so I just feel like they wanna they and they have great running backs. Like I just feel like the offense could absolutely explode this year. Geno surprised us all. And so I'll take him over a guy like Aaron Rodgers, who who I, I, I respect as well, but uh, you know, he's only got like one really good weapon. Brees Hall, obviously, if he plays, is, is a good weapon too. But um, there's just too many offensive weapons there at the receiver's position for Geno to not smash again. So I, I kind of like that. And also being able to maybe uh, stack in two with maybe even two of his receivers later on here because you do have to start. I got to start picking some receivers soon because you do have to start um, three receivers in this format. Yeah, minimum three wide receivers, two running backs, one tight end. So you need to hit all the positions, um, but you start a lot of, you know, 11 guys all together. We see in the other room, straight shot starting to build a giant stack here. Barkley at 210, Danny Dimes at 310, Waller at 4-3. I don't mind in this format investing in, you know, in an offense. You can also tack on a Giants wide receiver really late. Just kind of pick your poison between the deep play guys with Slayton and Hyatt. Um, and as you said, Adam, you've got you've got some options for Seattle with JSN. I'm really excited about JSN, but it's always difficult to parse like the the rookie versus the incumbent. You know, Tyler Lockett versus JSN. I think at ETR we have JSN actually slightly higher than Lockett, just betting on that end of season performance. But Lockett should out target him to start. Yeah, no, I I love that that offense of what uh, weaponry that he's got there. I'm a little bit. Higher on Lockett, but I think it's just because Lockett. I think Lockett goes later than he, that he should, 
Um, and probably JSN might go later than he should too. It's a situation there where kind of like with the Chargers, like if one receiver goes down, the other two could absolutely smash and go and go crazy again. So it's it's, just, it's been a weird year with like rookie receivers. Like a lot of the guys, a lot of the top rookie receivers in the draft went to landing spots that weren't like conducive for like first year like fantasy pr- production. And it's just like man, they're in these massive timeshares with all these other receivers, but. Sometimes you just gotta bet on the talent and uh, and hope that that it comes out. Especially, it's a lot easier in best ball too. This isn't best ball; you do have to set your lineup. But uh, but I do like the way that this um, this kind of rolls out for for that format. Yeah, and as Henry Muto points out in the chat, you can start up to four kickers. I I <laughs> totally laugh at it because uh, they've increased the kicker scoring to try to make them matter. Now it's up to me. I'm just not drafting kickers. Uh, and I will be in one of the slow drafts for Scout Fishbowl. If I lose two kicker teams, so be it. But um, <laughs> I guess the kickers are more interesting as like an in-season strategy as a pickup, right? Like emergency starter, you might actually get some points out of them. But for the draft, I mean, you got to just draft upside, home run upside. Obviously, the kickers are pretty limited there. I do like this start from FF Gouge. Goes Justin Jefferson, Trevor Lawrence, which I think is a pretty big value in Superflex in round two. Saquon. Then goes Metcalf, Alave, um, some fun wide receivers while still covering quarterback, running back. And we'll see if maybe he can get Christian Kirk for a stack or something later on. Um, but yeah, Adam, I don't know. Do you want me to let you get back to your draft here? You've got a pick coming up here in about five spots. Yeah, I know. I got a pick coming up. Um, I- I'm excited about the start so far. Kelsey, Watson, Pollard. Gino, we got a lot of work to do. I love that it's eight hours a pick and we're going to finish this thing probably tonight. So, I mean, that, that's how a slow draft should be. Uh, but I really, really like it. And again, thanks to you and Tyler for running this for us. And uh, I'll hop back to it. And I'll get Tyler back on here for you. Awesome. Good luck, Adam. Okay. Joe Mixon goes off at 5-4. I think in this format, that's a little bit rich. I do think Mixon's been undervalued early in this offseason because people are so concerned about the risk with him. Like, is he going to get cut? Is he going to get suspended? And, and he's dodged those bolts so far. But we'll kind of see with Mixon, you know, if Cincinnati brings someone else in or if the off-field troubles do end up having any sort of impact. But that's a little early for me, given just this format. I think I would have gone somewhat differently positionally. Um, but yeah, Tyler, welcome, welcome back to the stream. We were going over Adam's team, and he, he was trying to defend his Travis Kelsey pick by saying that he wanted Josh Allen. He got tilted and decided he wouldn't take Mahomes, but he took a Chief anyway. So I don't, I don't know if that served the purpose he thought it was going to. It's a pretty high floor, right? Like Travis Kelsey isn't going to have a bad season when some players in that first round, you could say, well, if this happens, if that happens, get him. And he'll, he'll stay healthy. He's going to get 10 to 15 targets a game. There's worse players to draft. Also, I'm also... Yeah, uh, I mostly just wanted to give him bias to tight ends. For, uh... Yeah. <laughs> I know, I'll have to get a, get a hold of... You should, yeah, tell, tell the people about your book. Hey, yeah, The Blood and Guts, How Tight Ends Save Football. Hung out with uh, Dicka, Shockey. Gronk, uh, Gronkowski, Kittle. It was a hell of a time. I mean, it kind of turned into like a search for the soul, the sport. And if you were to tell me I'd be hanging out with Dick at his golf course, 
over some stogies or you know pounding some drinks with German Shockey. I, I tell you, you're nuts, but it was a hell of a lot of fun. You know, it's a tight end book, but at the same time, like everything they went through in life, it, it became like a book on the human condition more than anything. So I think everybody out there will love it. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, golongtd.com. Hit me up. We'll hook you up with a copy. That's awesome. That's so cool you got to hang out with those people. I remember my first time ever in Las Vegas. I saw Mike Ditka playing blackjack at the win, and I was like starstruck. Um, <laughs> we do get one, one of my favorite players to draft this year, Jameer Gibbs, goes 5-5 to Megatron. Let's see if he – I don't think he went in the other – league yeah i think he does get hurt a little bit in this format where he's not going to get a ton of carries which is makes the that's where it's sometimes difficult to make those adjustments but just from like a macro perspective really highly drafted player generally players taken in the top 12 or so at running back just rarely fail deandre swift was kind of getting there in fantasy on like five touches (laughs) you know five carries a week and then like six or seven targets. I think Gibbs can be like a real souped up version of that and a team that there's just tons of high value touches for the running backs last season. I'm trying to see if there's anything else. If there's anything else that sticks out to you on these boards, Tyler, feel free to shout it. I know we were talking about Kyle Pitts at three, six to Ryan Mira. He ended up slipping all the way to four eleven in this other draft. One of the other updates, Mary Rose, 21, we're covering her running back times three star gets Derek Carr and Stafford. So, you know, get some stability at quarterback, not a ton of upside, but um, at least, at least managed to get some startable players there. The Gibbs pick. I, I think that that is fascinating. You know, here's somebody that everybody basically mocked when he was drafted. You know, it's easy to mock the Detroit lions and Brad Holmes is fist pumping in the war room and everybody thinks he's nuts, but. Man, I'm telling you, I think that he is going to be central to so much of what they do offensively. I know David Montgomery's there. You're right. That's a great point on the touches and the format of the league. But I, like, we can't really view the sport through tra- a traditional lens where there's wide receivers and tight ends and running backs and fullbacks. Like, they want to use him in the same vein as Debo Samuel, for, for, for better or worse. I mean, he's going to get touches. Ben Johnson is one of the best offensive coordinators in the NFL. I think Jameer Gibbs is going to have an immediate impact. I mean, I just spent some time in Detroit. They're so excited about him and everything he can do in that offense. Um, And the way that they play offensively, I I don't think we need to even get caught up in the fact of, okay, he's a number two running back or there's only so many touches to go around. He's going to impact the game. So I I love taking him at that spot. If you were the uh, mega Megatron got a good looking squad there. A couple lions. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're going to get another co uh, guest here. Hold on one second, Tyler. Tyler, I'm going to throw it to you first. Oh, we got a guest coming your way, actually, Tyler. So we're going okay. to another spot here from a drafter. There you go. Awesome. We got Zach Kruger coming up from NBC Sports. He drove up from Washington. Uh, I've talked with Zach, the show with Zach before, uh, and I'm kind of meeting you in person, Zach. We're around the corner from each other. Uh, but yeah, good to see you. Which league are you in? I've been going back and forth uh, on the usernames here, but 
Yeah, Which you you were good. We're, the the one you had up there is the one I'm in. Uh, the fatty beer. I am picking out of the 106, sir. Uh, we got Justin Fields, Stephon Diggs. That 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 crew okay, right there. Okay, nice. All right, I love that you got this to a Waddle stack. Like incredible value on that. Um, do you want to ask in general how you're feeling about this start, but specifically like Fields versus Burrow with like the fractional points for completion? Like, did you think about that one at all, or? just pretty certain on fields no i mean for fields obviously the rushing upside is something i love with him as well um because you you do get the points for completion but then you also get the points for first down for rushing so um i kind of factored that into a little bit with my decision there um i was i was ideally hoping that i could get lamar at the 105 was actually who i was targeting so justin Fields was kind of my alternative to lamar there um, I will say that my early plans were busted when Anthony Richardson went at the four, uh, the three eleven. There, I was kind of hoping to swoop back in and take him. Uh, maybe pair with Fields later on in a, in a later round, but then I ended up pivoting to Tua with Fields uh, in round three. Definitely some injury concerns, I'd say, between Tua and Waller. This is probably a fragile lineup in terms of health over the last few years, but we're going to see how it works out. Yeah, Richardson went beginning of round three in both of the, the leagues. So there was no discount on Anthony Richardson. Everyone's buying the upside. It's obviously the type of league that you want the upside. You got Waller here at 572. That was quite a bit later. I think the other league he went, he went 4-3. So um, okay. these last three picks of yours, incredible value. And you get this stack. How are you thinking about correlating, you know, stacking? Like, are you mindful of it or is it just happy accident and like kind of a big large field tournament type setup like Scott Fishbowl? Yeah, well, well, the stacks in particular, I haven't even considered correlating uh, the actual the playoff portion of the tournament as far as that goes. I probably should. Uh, I'm not that big of a sicko just yet. <laughs> we haven't <laughs> reached full sicko. We haven't reached full sicko mode yet for the Scott Fishbowl. So the correlations for the uh, playoff portion will come later. Uh, I did debate going Pitts over Waddle just because the tight ends are just so, uh, or yeah, Pitts over Wa- uh, Waddle. Sorry, I'm, I'm confusing Waddle and Waller here. I went, I debated going Pitts over Waddle um, just because tight ends are just so, you know, powered in this thing here. I think essentially a, a completion for no yards is still like two, or like one yard completion for first down is worth like 2.1 points, which is absolutely insane. But the, the stack did factor in there with Tua and Waddle there. I was hoping Pitts would come back to me. He didn't. Uh, and the pivot to Waller was just kind of a tight end who I'm getting, who I, I believe, even though it's not going to necessarily be a high-volume pass offense, I think there's a legitimate case for Waller to be the target leader in, in New York. Um, health, I think, is going to factor into it more than anything else. So between the health and, and, and things of that nature is obviously a little bit of concern, but not being able to get pits at the fifth-round turn there, I, I went ahead and went Waller, who, where I think there's a clear break out for Waller as well. So I wanted to still kind of get some of that volume. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good consolation prize for sure, you know, Waller there. And the tight ends in general seem to be going a little bit later in your room than the other room. And I think with that, okay. the tight end premium scoring is pretty heavy. So uh, I think that's there's definitely some value to be taking advantage of in your room. You got a pick coming up in a few, in about a handful here. You're, you're in the middle of the board, so you're kind of always, always on your heels. But um, yeah. anything strategically you're trying to do the rest of the draft? Well, I mean, we're, we're former Rotoviz boy here, you know we're, we're you know we're Team Zero RB. Uh, if we if we can hold Love on a running back for another four or five rounds, we we certainly will look to do that. Uh, I, I threw a couple wide receivers in my queue. If anyone tuning in here is drafting, gets me by any chance out of the room. Hopefully, they're not listening to that. But uh, I, I think I'm going to get a couple more wide receivers here. Still, there's some there's some guys who I think are. 
possibly on riskier offenses. I'll go ahead and just say uh, Chris Godwin is a guy by mine if he comes back to me. Um, certainly there's some concern as far as the, the quality of offense that we're going to see in Tampa Bay. But I do think that Godwin is, is a legitimate target hog at this point in time in the Bucks offense. And probably negative game script for a lot of those games if they're playing from behind. I think Godwin would have a lot of fun with his way. So got him in there. Don't tell anyone who's, who's coming in next. And, and, we'll see how, <laughs> and we'll see how that goes over. No. But got, yeah, few more wide receivers. Yeah, man. Well, uh, thanks so much for, for taking the time to join in. I'm with you on Godwin. He's been one of my highest drafted wide receivers this offseason. I think people are just discounting how many targets, as you said, just going to be an absolute target hog there. Good luck the yeah. rest of the way, Zach, man. Thank you. I appreciate it, Leonie. All right. We are winding down to get Tyler back, and we'll do a little bit of a, a recap thus far. Uh, you'll be able to follow the rest of the draft. If you go to Scott Fishbowl, you just Google Scott Fishbowl divisions or live leagues, you'll be able to find it. And then that will have a link to the sleeper boards. So you'll be able to follow these. But we are winding down the first hour here. Uh, it's been fun. Tyler, any uh, takeaways from the draft so far that you found interesting? My mind's still a little blown on just seeing, you know, so many quarterbacks taken so early in Justin Fields and tight ends. And I'm wrapping my head around it. And these people are way smarter than me. So, you know, by the time I draft my own teams, maybe I should take some of these uh, philosophies. You know, I, like I said, I went running back crazy every single draft since the, since, since the dawn of man. I can remember going Terrell Davis and Barry Sanders. And, well, although you wouldn't get Terrell Davis and Barry Sanders in the same draft. That'd be crazy. Maybe there was an Edgar Bennett in there. Uh, maybe a, a Tim Tyndale if we're lucky. But, yes, this has been a lot of fun. A lot of geniuses in there who grind the the fantasy football tape. So tape. So I uh I can't I can't I can't criticize these picks too much. Yeah. No, it is interesting just to see the different positional stuff and the way they've set up the scoring that it's like kind of confusing enough, but also like balanced enough that all these different strategies could possibly work. There's always some FOMO at the quarterback position, though, in these super flex leagues. Like, no one wants to get left out. I do think the room's done a pretty good job adjusting, like, after the top-tier quarterbacks, if not just, like, some leagues you see people just follow suit at quarterback just because they, they want to get two right away, no matter what. People have been been somewhat patient here. I finally do see Kyle Ridley off the board to Kyle 716, or Calvin Ridley off the board to Kyle 716. But, um, yeah, we're wrapping this up right now appreciate everybody tuning in to the deep end podcast usual co-host mike shope and adam krautwurst are drafting right now i will sign off for me and tyler dunn again make sure you check out tyler's book find it on amazon you can find all my stuff over at establish the run and yep good luck everybody make sure you check out scott fishbowl online and donate to the scott fishbowl charity it's a great boss.